Well, welcome everybody. We're speaking again today to Nathan in South Asia. And uh, last time we talked about Envision. Uh, today there's a new topic. Uh, Nathan, welcome and tell us, what, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to go through over the next few uh, times we're together over the five parts of a church multiplication plan. It's really about multiplying the kingdom. And I believe today uh, the topic is entry strategy. How do I connect to people in an empty field, in a place where the kingdom hasn't been established? Okay. And Nathan, in your part of the world, that could be there really are no believers at all in this area or this village. For some of us, we might say, well, look, there are churches and believers in our city, but I guess there are still many pockets, significant pockets of people in in any location that are unreached. And uh, so we're going to be learning, well, how how do we enter uh, an empty field or an unreached people group? That's right. For example, our laboratory, if I can call it that way, we've got uh, the broadest laboratory on the planet in a way. Uh, The nation I'm residing in has more than 600,000 villages. And uh, as many as 420,000 of those have no evangelical presence. So we've got empty fields everywhere we look. Now the reality that every community is made up or every village Every town is made up of multiple communities. Uh, is not is not just true where I live. That's true everywhere. I would think uh, from Australia to the U.S. to all over the Western world, there are pockets of community in every town, and those pockets may very well be unengaged. Different at different parts of society, so to speak. And and Nathan, that means uh, you know we're we're going in amongst the people. We, we don't have any natural ties or relational ties to them. Uh, you know, so this is really the question of how do we go into uh, an area and, and really start where, uh, at least to the naked eye, there's, there's nothing there. Um, In a way, it's about mission, isn't it? Crossing some barrier with the gospel. It could be social, ethnic, financial, you know, um, even just time. You don't have to, in the Western world, you don't have to go outside your own community these days uh, to be an outsider. There are pockets of community, even in your own neighborhood, in most cases, where clearly you're an outsider. Clearly you're not an insider with a voice in that community. And so the principles of entry strategy we talk about today, uh, there's not a place on the planet they wouldn't apply. Okay. So what, what are some of those principles, Nathan? Well, hopefully it's Scripture. Uh, every one of those needs to come right from the Word. And, and uh, you know, Steve, I've heard you discuss uh, Christ as a, as a model, You're talking about His Galilean ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard you refer to Schnabel and others that talked about 175 villages, I believe it was, in Galilee. Mark chapter 1, His desire, His plan was to go into other towns and villages, for that is why I have come. And that he heard directly from the Father in prayer. Uh, it was a bit of a shock to his disciples. You remember, uh, they were they were claiming everyone's looking for you there in Mark 1. And he'd suddenly become famous and and most popular guy in town. Everybody wanted to see him, but he had a different agenda. And uh, one of the principles in understanding 
in-true strategy or how we connect as outsiders to an insider community, uh, it flows out of that envision. We just really need to open our eyes and look. What are the what are the areas? What are the towns? The communities that are in, unengaged, and in that sense, we're connecting back to envision. That we would look at the task, the target the Lord has laid on our heart, and just like Mark one, it begins in that solitary escape with the Lord in prayer uh, on the mountainside there, just outside of Capernaum for for Jesus. And uh, he heard from the Lord, other towns, other villages, that's the plan. Not pop necessarily popularity, not necessarily a bigger ministry. I mean, every every bit of uh, the, you know, our modern definition of success, bigger is better, was available to him right there in Mark 1. The crowd would have kept growing, mm. but he was interested in that lost sheep. He was interested in that next town, that next village, establishing the kingdom to the end of not only people groups, but geography in Galilee. And uh, that's what he modeled for his, his disciples. And and Nathan, um, obviously Jesus would have been well-known with uh, friends and family in his hometown of Nazareth. He, he was probably known in some of the surrounding villages. But in a lot of Galilee, he would have gone into town as a stranger. That's right. He's an outsider. Mm. Now, this is so, you know, such a paradox because... And honestly, we need to take our thoughts captive in this area because we talk about Christ rightly. The incarnation comes to mind. He was incarnate. He dwelled and tabernacled among us, right? And yet we take that term incarnation and we turn it into this this vision for incarnational ministry. And we tag, many times mistakenly, we tag a definition onto that term. Incarnational means to become an insider, and Steve, I don't see that in Jesus' ministry. I don't see him laboring for years at a time in a single place in order to become an insider. There wasn't uh, any example of him uh, earning, searching to earn a, a voice before speaking, that type of thing. And it's the same with how he mobilized his disciples, by the way. Uh, the example is Luke 9 with the 12, Luke 10 with the 70. He sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place he himself was about to go. And very quickly, within a short amount of time, they returned to him. They did not become insiders hmm. in those empty fields he was about to enter his, himself. They, the outsider was never the ultimate plan. That's what's interesting. I, I'm shocked by that when I read Luke 10. He sent 70, and he told them to pray for workers. That's a paradox again. Well, you just sent 70. Uh, but they were outsiders. So the outsiders are praying for who in that case? Laborers. And where will those laborers come from? Entry strategy is about, and we're going to unpack this, hmm. entry strategy is about the outsider to insider transition because the insiders are the plan. The insiders, in many cases, are the, the answers to the prayer for laborers. So you look around your neighborhood, you see those target communities in which you're an outsider, and the answer in many cases is not for you to somehow morph or contextualize in, to become an insider. It's to exercise uh, the faith, to walk with the Spirit, believing the simple patterns of Scripture laid out in, in example Jesus and Paul, and identify, win, and mobilize the insider who will be the strategy. That's what we mean by entry strategy. That's our goal, ultimately. 
Okay. And I was just reflecting that there was a time where Jesus went to his hometown and to his own people. Um, and um, they tried to throw him over a cliff. Um, well, that's the passage I mean, where it says he could do no miracles there, right? Yes. Because of their lack of faith. Uh, even in even as an insider in that one place, uh, ultimately is the, the least effective aspect of Jesus' earthly ministry, isn't mm. it? Well, there was a long-term ministry to his family, and eventually his family did come around. His mother, his brothers, uh, uh, they became, well, his brothers became uh, workers that Paul refers to in Corinthians. But okay. you're saying there's also a harvest strategy where Jesus is moving around Galilee and obviously also down south into Judea and Jerusalem. He's sending his disciples out. And what they're doing is they're looking to raise up workers from within the harvest. Is that right? That, that's my suggestion, yeah. Mm. He's, uh, his plan for each of those villages, ultimately if, it's, if, it's, if he has a different plan then we've got to look at him and, and wonder why on earth would he stay only a few days in each of those places. But as he kept moving, clearly his plan was those insiders who have accepted the message, who have uh, received the Spirit, uh, or at least been sealed uh, for the day of Pentecost, those believers are going to be the plan, ultimately, uh, that, that would establish the kingdom long-term in those places. So then the, the, the key thing you're looking for when you're, you're entering an empty field is, Lord, where are the insiders, some of whom are going to become the workers for this field? Um, do you want to unpack that a little bit? Just, uh, yeah, let's how, just, let's what just that take looks a few minutes like? in Scripture. Sure. You know, uh, what, maybe a good place to start is just the, the simple exercise of faith that that we see in Paul in Acts 18. You know, uh, it's just mentioned uh, in his Mars Hill address, you know, as he's preaching uh, related to the the unknown God. And, you know, there's a verse there that just really reveals his worldview. Verse 27 of Acts 17, excuse me, mm. says, uh, 26, From one man, God, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And listen to this next phrase. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Why? God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. I think Paul lays out for pagans, in this case, uh, an incredible statement of faith. And he's ultimately applied that to his audience. He is preaching that message that day on Mars Hill believing that there are some in his hearing who God has prepared, who God has put in that time, at that place, to hear the message and to reach out for him. And in that case, Paul then, his ministry, his, his entry is, a, is an act of service to God's eternal plan, isn't it? Hmm. That God had, a, God had chosen men and chosen that place from eternity past as the venue... Uh, for Paul to preach and for Paul to bring the message of the, of the word and for people to reach out for him in that place. And, and I think even though he was not particularly fruitful in Athens, I think 
that simple act of faith and relationship Paul had with the Spirit, you can see that as a thread across all of his, his journeys. Uh, whether he's in prison and it's the Philippian jailer as he worships, or the place of prayer where he meets Lydia, you know. Crispus, the, the synagogue ruler who lived next to the, the synagogue there, he transfers over to Stephanus' house in Corinth. All, again and again, this example, he has an expectation of finding people prepared. And when he finds them, they become the plan for that city, that town, that community. Okay, so you're saying even even Paul is, when he goes into an unreached place like Ephesus or, or Corinth, his whole mind think is not just who can I win, but, but amongst these people are people God has already prepared and... Um, I need to trust him through the the sharing of the word uh, to identify those people because whether I need to move on in two or three weeks in some cases or whether it's, uh, you know, one to two or maybe even three years in Ephesus, uh, I will be moving on and I need to find local people to continue and to develop the ministry here. Yeah, that's that's it. It's it's Jesus uh, gave the same type of instruction to his twelve. I have other sheep, not of the sheep pen, right? Uh, there is a. If we don't have that promise, if we don't have the Spirit of God working out ahead of us, uh, we really are bound to our own wisdom. We really are bound to our own efforts, and that's just not, simply not the case. The Spirit of God is at work, every place, in all of time. And we have that opportunity to join him. So entry strategy is not about what we can do hmm. to enter a new field, to create an audience, generate a, a hearing. Entry strategy or connecting with people is an exercise of faith that God is at work. He's ahead of us in the plan. And we are, through our abiding, through our pursuit of his will, in simple faith, we're stretching out in faith and he is introducing us to his plan introducing us to the people he has prepared. Now, that's beautiful. That is that is reproducible. That's transferable. That's, mm. that's something that every believer, every part of the commission in all of time could be a part of because he's, uh, he's ever diligent, you know. So as we go out into an unreached neighborhood or town or city or amongst a, a social group uh, in our world that is not reached, uh, we go with the expectation God's already at work and our job is to find the people who are going to continue the ministry to reach these unreached folk. That's right. That's it. The kingdom of God is moving. The kingdom of God has a set destination, just like we expressed last time in the Indivision session. Uh, every people group, every tribe, tongue, people, nation, every geography to the ends of the earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. We have these promises. He is at work. We're joining him. We're pushing that kingdom to the edge. And uh, in doing so, you can imagine what that does for your confidence, for your expectation. Uh, that you can imagine uh, how those promises can be used to mobilize because every believer is given that commission. And Acts 1-8 is still, uh, still very much ongoing. 
Okay, now I'm I'm going to ask now the the Monday morning question, Nathan. Okay. Uh, because in our hearts we have the faith that God's going to do that. That those 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 people are out there. That woman at the well, or that Cornelius figure. Um, but what do we do on Monday morning? And by that I mean we, you know, we don't sit in our lounge room and wait for them to ring our doorbell. Um, so and I, I realize it may vary from place to place, but someone listening here is saying, okay, I've got that bit, um, but where do I begin uh, with that heart of faith that, that, that God has people out there? Well, uh, let me just be as practical as I can. Um, when Jesus sent his 12 out, now we look at Luke 10, so many times people push back uh, wonder, is that normative? Is that an expectation, just applying the do's and don'ts of Luke 10? Is it normative for all of time and all the Great Commission? Uh, I would say very quickly, no. Uh, you see Paul diverging from that pattern at times in Acts, but remember Paul was an experienced practitioner. Mm-hmm. He'd already spent time in Arabia, Cilicia. You know, he's on his journeys, and we see up, but we can still see a remnant based on his expectation of that Luke 10 pattern. That God's at work. So when Jesus was training, that's what we have in Luke 10 is a is an example of training new believers, mobilizing them for the first time. And it's full of do's and don'ts, Steve. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you and your choice how how practical or how how to say, what's the word? Uh, literally, you want to apply each of those do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, number one, he sent them two by two. So first thing, get a partner. Get a partner. Find someone who's willing to try this with you. Uh, and, and secondly, get a target. See, Jesus chose 70, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place he himself was about to go. That means Jesus had a plan. Jesus had a target. And Jesus mobilized those others, and, and ultimately he multiplied his, his influence and his coverage in a way by sending those out to find and to make his eventual entry that much more efficient. Find those who are prepared. You need a partner, you need a target. And there, those again, those targets are right there in your community. There are uh, segments of your neighborhood even that in which you are an outsider, mm-hmm. in which the kingdom of God may not be visible, may not be established. Make, start making a list. Take a week with a partner, figure out who that person is, and, and hold each other accountable. Let's try to identify 10 places, 10 segments of society, neighborhoods, communities within a community, within a neighborhood, uh, 10 segments of society where the kingdom of God is not established. And just get, give it a week. Try as an experiment, and, and just look for it in your daily routine. We're not asking you to, to, to drive out for the weekend, you know, hours away and look for some remote village. Look right there in your workplace. Look right there in your in your daily patterns, mm-hmm. and you'll and and with prayer, you'll start to see those things. You realize uh, a lot of people push on prayer walking, you know, as if it's some extra biblical, uh, you know, tool, and they because it never says, you know, prayer walk, go prayer walk, in scripture. Well, the hard reality is it never says go plant a church in scripture either. Mm-hmm. There's never that command, but that activity is going on all the time in the book of Acts. And uh, there it is in Luke 10. As you go, 
two by two to the towns I've prepared, the targets you've established, right? What's the next instruction in Luke 10? Ask the Lord of the harvest. He says the, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. There's your prayer walk. There's your, your whether you're walking, whether you're driving, whether you're, you're sitting in a park, Lord, show me, show me, lead me to laborers in this field. And again, uh, there's your paradox because you are his laborer. And yet you are not the plan. Mm. There are laborers that may not even be believers yet that God wants, who are insiders in that community in which you're an outsider that he fully intends to win, mobilize, and use to, to reach that community. So is that three, three answers to your question? What can we do to get started Monday morning? Mm. Get, recruit a partner, find, identify a target, and just get out, get to your target, and start praying. Lord, send laborers. There's your start. Okay. What's next? <laughs> well, you know, uh, again, you have that option to be as practical as you want, as uh, literally as you want. You can take those do's and don'ts. Uh, look for opportunities for that insider as, as those people are revealed. Look for opportunities for that person to serve you. Now, that's another strange idea. But Jesus, you know, uh, no purse, no bag, no sandals, you know, no extra tunic, no money. What he's saying is go needy. Don't, don't bring everything you need with you to the party. And then he say, talks about eating what they provide, eating what they serve you, you know. Uh, if this is a training scenario, then, again, we need to remember the main purpose there is that his disciples were getting the just a, a faith 101, you know, walking with the Spirit 101 type course here. It means an introductory course on just choosing simple faith. Go and, and, and pray. Find that if that person is revealed, allow them to invest in you. You know, uh, I think he even mentions home there. And, you know, Steve, we have talked and used, uh, we've kind of transitioned from person of peace mm -hmm. to house of peace over time. That, uh, in fact, their destination, their goal in that entire passage was to enter a home mm -hmm. that God had prepared. And that home would become the venue for the kingdom. Uh, and I believe all five parts, uh, after entry, gospel was to be presented there, preach the kingdom. If they received, don't move house to house, which means what? Discipleship would take place there. And ultimately, church formation, those other parts of the church planning multiplication plan, they flow right from within that house of peace. And uh, don't forget, they become the laborers also, those insiders, which means your leadership multiplication, right? Entry, gospel, discipleship, church formation, leadership multiplication in the venue, in the right venue. And, and it's static if you start in that house. Well, there's your plan. There's your pattern. And, and ultimately, those disciples left after having obeyed, pursued those things in simple faith. They came back to Jesus and reported. And I, I think we have to assume Jesus prioritized his next few steps, his next few travels based on some of their reporting. And where would he go? He'd go to those towns he himself was about to enter, and he would, he would work through the disciples who found those houses of peace and identified those persons of peace. And the kingdom was established there, right? Mm. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and obviously there are different ways to meet people, to connect with people. Uh, and 
So we're going to need to uh, flex in different situations um, in terms of, I mean, do we go door to door? Do we, uh, you know, Michelle and I run an English conversation club to meet people that way. But what, what are some of the other principles that apply in terms of, uh, you know, what is an effective way to connect with people in this this time of, of entry into an empty field? Well, I'll tell you that uh, the next step in that phase is also just a principle that you, that, that will really, how to say, really impact your survival rate, your attrition rate, if you will. People ask us in CPM so many times, how many churches survive? How many churches last a year? How many of those houses apiece that you've identified uh, make it to to healthy church and there's always going to be an attrition rate there's always the realities of different types of soils right that some will be multipliers and some will look genuine on the first day but quickly fall away the the reality is I think at this point as we've looked and and kind of in hindsight done some, a little uh, research and number crunching in our own efforts, the reality is places where we have quickly passed authority and responsibility to the insider, uh, our survivability, if you will, the percentage of those houses apiece that get to healthy church goes through the roof. Meaning if we as the outsider step through that door, we've identified a house apiece, we've seen them come to faith, and we refuse to enable and, and push them forward as the, as the leader locally, uh, our survivability rate uh, really decreases. And uh, that's what I meant earlier by the outsider to insider transition. That's, what we're, that's our goal in entry strategy. Let's start in the place where insiders from the beginning will be mobilized to, to uh, into the other five parts, into sharing the gospel as quickly as possible, into making disciples of their own fruit as qu- quickly as possible, into church planters as quickly as possible. Now, that's one aspect that uh, the models of ministry I grew up under uh, would deny, you know, that we talked last time in Envision about the resources that are available. If, you're, if your target is multiplication, you're going to look at the resources differently. If you're, if you're trying to start a new church and one church is success, most likely you're going to work a church planter to pastor model. And that's so prevalent in our Western thinking that I started a church, I'll be the pastor, this is success. What we're talking about here is the outsider to insider transition where responsibilities and authorities are quickly passed to that insider and the in, because the insider is the laborer for whom we've been praying from the beginning. And that makes me uncomfortable still to this day. We're talking about putting tools in the hands of babes, infants, spiritually. And yet, Steve, uh, again and again, the Lord has shown us that, in fact, it's those responsibilities and authorities, almost like water and fertilizer, that grow those new believers. That, that, that those opportunities stretch them. And I think the learning curve is steep, but a steep learning curve builds endurance and strength quickly, you know? Mm. Pursuing, uh, pursuing those opportunities is what grows them, and, and it's responsibility. So here's your next uh, takeaway. When you find that 
person of peace in their house of peace, you want to mobilize them to responsibility as quickly as possible, uh, which means uh, the transition from outsider to insider and entry strategy, one tool that we use immediately, a person comes to faith, we immediately have them write down a list of what we have always uh, commonly called the oikos, and there's your Greek word for household, the circle of influence. So you're there, the laborer, in faith, you believe they're going to be the key to opening the door to that community. Hey, brother, you just came to faith. You're the key for opening this community. Write down a hundred names of non-believers for me in this community. Now, if I ask uh, believers in most Western churches who've who've been a believer, let's say, 10 years, it's tough to list 20 non-believers. But these these brand new believers in an untouched community, a hundred is no problem, you know. If you don't want to go that far, start with twenty five. Who are the twenty five closest friends, relatives, neighbors, classmates, coworkers that you know that need to hear the message that you just accepted? Write them down right now. Call it an oikos list. So we've got a Luke ten search for a house of peace as the outsider strategy. As soon as we find the insider who is prepared by God and receives the message gladly of the kingdom, we're going to mobilize them through an oikos tool. So we're going entry to oikos, right? Outsider to insider. And um, in our discipleship, as we stay in that house, as we continue to invest in that first home that opened that the Lord prepared, we're going to teach them as quickly as possible how to share their testimony, how to share the gospel that they've received, and we're going to hold them accountable. The T for T, the training for training process has begun because that brand new believer is now being mobilized to start winning that community. And Nathan, is is that the first and only person you meet? Or is that person going to be amongst a range of people who've responded to the gospel? You know, I won't delve into too much sociology but the fact is every neighborhood has multiple communities Mm. i would suggest that any town there are dozens of communities that are untouched currently so i do think there is a there is value as the outsider not moving around house to house not jumping ahead of your insider letting them be the plan letting because uh ultimately uh as an outsider, we don't know the history of that community. We don't know the the people who are who are most likely to be responsive. We don't know who's interested. Uh, allowing that insider, if you jump ahead of them and move house to house, other parts of that community, in many cases, you're going to uh, demobilize them, so to speak, because they see you doing what they had considered their responsibility or what you cast as a vision for them. If you're going to do it, then I'll sit down. That's the nature of man. Now, that said, there are other communities inside that neighborhood, that town. Uh, I think you can, even as one house of peace is developing within some segment, you can approach the other segments at the same time. And again, the reason you're able to do that is because you're not the plan. Those new believers are, you're investing in the new believer, they're investing in their oikos, right? So your schedule is still somewhat uh, flexible. Okay, and uh, so what you... You see the great yeah. fear that people are going to have in that seed, by the way? You see the fear yeah, that people... Yeah, the, the, the fear, I, well, that comes to my mind is, well, these people right. aren't mature yet. 
That's right. You've let infants out on the sidewalk, mm. right? Mm. There's cars driving by. Surely they're going to be crushed. Mm. I, I understand that fear. I think uh, I think Paul understood that fear. Um, one of my favorite passages, Steve, he talks about uh, Philippians in chapter 4. You remember he said, don't be anxious for anything. You know that verse? Mm. Mm. Look back in chapter 2, and he said, it's my great desire to send. I've desired to send a pathos to you. And uh, so that it, I might know it goes well with you, I might have less anxiety. And that's an interesting statement. Two chapters before, he says, don't give the command. Don't be anxious for anything. He's wrestling with that in his own heart. He's wanting to send his Timothy and his Apophis back and forth to see that they're, they're stretching out in maturity. But he himself isn't attending. He's not going. And that's a hard reality for us. You know, Jesus, the Samaritan woman, he stayed for two days. Cornelius... Peter and his disciples stayed for a short time and then returned to Jerusalem. Uh, all through Scripture, the pace is very disconcerting. To see them win, equip, challenge, motivate, pass responsibility, and depart, that's, uh, that makes me really nervous. But the fact is, it's his kingdom. I, I had faith to believe he was at work ahead of me. Uh, I have, in a lot of cases, I have to choose faith that he's at work after I depart as well. And he will send those Apollos. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have responsibility, right? Mm. Paul wrote letters. Paul sent other Timothys. Paul re revisited every yeah. church plant he was a part of at least once mm. in Scripture. And so we do have responsibility, but uh, we're not the strategy. That's, that's where, in some cases, our abilities, our efforts have become an idol for us. Mm. Yes, and part of that is we've lost our confidence in the Word and in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think that's a part of it. Ultimately, that's where Paul has to commission the Ephesian elders, right? He commends you to the Word and mm. to the Spirit. Mm. And I think, uh, I think uh, Steve, that I, I want to be careful mm. and, and remind mm. and, and put a little asterisk on my comments and say the commission is to make disciples. Mm. We do use every bit of time available to make disciples. And yet, Jesus, who saw believers in Capernaum come to faith, and in fact, a church was established there, according to church history, for 300 years, it met in that house, right? Mm. And yet, Jesus heard from the Father, every other town and place is the plan. Keep moving. Mm. And uh, again, uh, whether that you want to use the term mission or you want to use the term apostolic, mm. uh, you're talking about the kingdom stretching, the kingdom moving, and there is an apostolic role still viable, I believe, in every every town, every community in the world. Mm. Because there are segments you haven't heard, segments you yes. haven't accepted. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. Philip goes down there, and he's only down there because he's forced out of Jerusalem by persecution. Uh, there's an amazing move of God. And interestingly, um, you know, Peter and John follow down and immediately there's, there's a need for some discipline. Some, some, you know, is it Simon the sorcerer who's sort of corrupting the whole thing with his greed? He's a, a newly baptized believer. There's nice. discipline brought to that situation. But I would imagine, it doesn't say how long, but you get the sense from the passage, perhaps within weeks, um, Philip... As, uh, has moved out and Peter and John have returned uh, via all the Samaritan villages on the way continuing to preach 
And yeah. there's, an, there's an insider movement amongst the Samaritans, which I'm sure was then revisited. But none of those key leaders camped in that place, even though, um, you know, at least one of the believers was seriously um, deluded or corrupted by his own heart and had to be disciplined. Right. And yet yeah. uh, they've, they've lit a fire here that is truly now the Samaritans have the faith and are, and are, and are spreading it. Steve, you know, the, what you're saying is right, and it's not just that example. Uh, the truth is, across Acts, now I, didn't, I don't know if this was necessarily a direction we wanted to go with mm-hmm. entry, but there are certain things in Acts, like, for example, the Galatian, uh, they're on the borderline of heresy in abandoning the gospel. Uh, the Corinthians, the immorality, um, uh, lawsuits, uh, factions, mis- you know, abuses or excesses in spiritual gifts. Uh, they're getting drunk on the Lord's Supper, for goodness sakes. Right, in chapter 11. It's like your normal Baptist church, Nathan. Oh, hey, brother. A lot of those things, if I reported to my agency, would yeah. get me fired. Yeah. Yet And yet, Paul is not okay with them. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But the Lord is patient. The Lord who works from eternity past to eternity future, it seems to me in a lot of cases our definition of success has some time element attached to it. And in many cases, the Lord is more patient with transformation than we are. That he who sees eternity past and eternity future and has invested his spirit, to him the work is accomplished, right? And the moment the spirit seals and invests himself, you know, those he justified, he sanctified. Those he sanctified, he will also glorify. That work is sealed. And yet we work on the timeline as if that glorification needs to be by next week. Or in some cases before the baptism, which is, uh, you know, another whole other topic. And yet... Uh, uh, God seems to be more comfortable with a mess in some cases than we are. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul didn't rebuke and that Paul didn't correct. I mean, that Paul didn't invest the word. Of course he did. But the insiders were the plan. And across Scripture, very quickly, they're given responsibility. They're given authority to do the work because they are the answer to the prayer for laborers. And that's got to be our faith. That's got to be our our vision if we're going to multiply and fill the earth with his kingdom well nathan thank you for that uh i think um you've given us a place to begin which is find a partner and begin praying and uh moving amongst the people god's put on your heart but you've also given us in a sense the end vision for that that uh, entering a new field, and that is uh, we must, from the beginning, raise up insiders who are going to complete the task. And um, so thank you for that, and uh, we'll look forward to what, what will we speak about next time? What's our next topic? If we, if we move forward in our vision, in vision toward healthy church and multiplying leaders, uh, after entry comes gospel presentation. How do we present the gospel? And... For that matter, how do we mobilize the insiders to be gospel seed sowers? That's our next topic. Great. Well, we'll look forward to it. Thank you so much, Nathan, for your time. All right, brother. God bless. God bless you too. Bye.